I have to apologize right up front if uh, they said in the first service that I broke into my Boston accent numerous times this morning, but it happens with the cold. Uh, whenever that happens, it's kind of like I'm reminded of where I'm from, so please forgive me. You know, we just finished a week of prayer, and I want to thank you people. I think, want to thank you, not only for praying, because uh, we had people here every single night, and we prayed for five days for these requests. I want to thank you for letting us pray for your life. It takes guts, just like Isabel was getting baptized. It takes guts to take what's bothering you, what's in your heart, what you, to admit that you have a need or your crisis, and to just put it out there for people. And so I want you to know and rest in the fact that you got prayed for over and over again and expect great things to happen in your life. So we've been, um, we started a series called Abound. And, and the reason why God is talking to us about Abound is that he wants us to live beyond surviving. He doesn't want us living our lives constantly responding to a lack attack, this constant mentality of I don't have enough, I don't have enough. And I'm not just talking about having enough stuff or having a big enough house or, or, or you know, looking good enough in the mirror. I'm talking about the essential I I cannot uh, rest in my soul in who I am with God. And so many of us will work our hearts off trying to please God, to try to get God's approval. And that what we're discovering that real strength happens when you rest in the sufficiency of God through Christ our Lord. Doesn't mean I'm still not a little weird and it still doesn't mean I'm, I'm perfect. Doesn't mean that I don't have problems or sometimes wish I had more of something else. But it does mean that when it comes back to my soul, I am his. I am loved. I am called. I am chosen. I am beloved. And I have been given his perfection. Not because I was perfect, not because I earned it, but because of what Jesus did on that cross. So the Apostle Paul is like, okay, from that position of strength, let's, let's, let's move. He, and he says, um, I thank the Lord that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. So he's praying, it's like, listen, that's, that's great to be loved by God and all he's got, but I want you to abound. I don't want you to just be saved. I don't want you just to survive um, I want you to abound in love. I want you to experience love in a cascading kind of way. And he uses this phrase about that you may abound in love. And if you're like somebody like me, and if you've walked through life over the last couple decades, words have lost their meaning. They really have. I, and, and so like a word like love can mean a lot of different things. It can be an expression of temperament. I, it can be directed in a lot of different things, in a lot of different areas uh, of life. But um, for a lot of us, we need to find out, like when he says abound in love, you know, we tend to th- define love as as long as I'm not hurting somebody. That's right. We tend to legitimize relationships. As long as you're not hurting somebody, that it's a love relationship. Or I love it that we've kind of, we, we don't even know how to put handles on this. So we say something like this, that really kind of is nonsensical philosophically, love is love. And I know it's real easy and it sounds like it's like, you know, dude, love is love. It's like, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean love is love? Tell me, what what do I need to be involved in? What What do I need to be about? He told me that I abound in love. I need to know what that is. And so last week, we kind of put together a little definition of what love is. And for the 
those of us who are kind of like, don't get it right off the bat. Love is the relational engagement that seeks the highest good in all things, as directed by God. I put those little parentheses there. And it's like, now I know that's not sexy, and I know that when Valentine's rolls around, I'm not gonna make a card for my wife and say, honey, I am in relational engagement with you, and I am seeking the highest good in all things as directed by God. I mean, Hallmark is not gonna take that and put a little bit of sparkles on it and then say, this is a really good card. But if we're honest, this is what real love is. It is a relational engagement. Uh, And there are other words that are relational engagements, like bitterness, anger, resentfulness, apathy, selfishness, um, uh, just being being angry with somebody. I mean, these are all kinds of engagements that we have, but, but what we're finding is the Apostle Paul says that, that you're called to be engaged in love that seeks the highest good in another person. And not just the highest good, because your highest good could be what? Pleasure, which is cool. I'm, all, I'm, I'm a big fan of pleasure. Um, uh, it may be happiness, like a lot of happiness. Man, I like happiness. Uh, but we could all, but this idea of what does God consider the highest good for a human being? What is God's highest good for our lives? And this idea of love is a, is a way of engaging somebody, but it's engaging them for the highest good. And God is calling us to abound in loving engagement in our marriages, in our, with our kids, loving engagements. I mean, this is, this is so important. With, our, with, our, with the people we work with, the people we don't get along with, with strangers uh, in the church, that we are constantly to be abounding, that we are supposed to be increasing in this concept of engagement for the highest good. And abounding is taking the next step in a relationship. Just think about that. See, it's, it's not just standing where you are, but it, abounding is a verb that is implying that another step is being taken. Um, Think about your interaction with somebody that you're with, somebody that you see often, and think about what would be the next step of the highest good in their life. That person may be your spouse sitting next to you, that may be somebody you don't like at work, it may, be, um, it may be a child in your life, maybe a grandchild, it may be a parent in your life. But what is the next step for their highest good? You know, I bought a, I bought a car from a dealership and uh, when I bought the car, you know, in all the finagling and haggling, um, I got one of these wraparound warranties, you know what I mean, where you just, everything's covered, you know? Uh, Even if you're playing bad music on your stereo, it will put it to good music on your stereo. I mean, it's the kind of warranty, it just does everything. So so I have to take it in there to get the tires rotated, get the oil changed and things like that. um, But I remember the first time I did that, I took it in, they started working on the car and they said, well, Mr. Rienzo, your car will be ready in about 45 minutes. And I'm like, okay, no problem. And uh, I remember sitting there and uh, they had a coffee maker there and it wasn't just your ordinary coffee, it wasn't Folgers, you know, it wasn't crystals that you put in a hot cup of water and stirred it. But it was this little machine that you stick this pouch in and, you know, you push the buttons and then it makes a little latte. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's, 
That's, that's kind of the next step. That's pretty cool. You didn't just offer me some coffee on a bun, you know, machine, and I just realized that's exactly what we do every week. It's a, we, it's a good bun. It's a good bun machine. Um, but do we do baked goods or what? Yeah, 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 over the top. Miss Frances does that for us, and she abounds and abounds more and more in that. But um, back on target. So they got my car ready, and they said, Mr. Enzo, we got your keys, we got your car parked right out there. And I go out there, and when I go out, this car's beautiful. I'm like, is this my car? You know, it's like, it's all washed. I get in it, they have these little paper mats, you know, so that the mechanics feed didn't get on today. But they, and I remember saying, it's like, hey, because uh, that's the way I am. I was like, hey, uh, did I pay for this car wash? I mean, because I didn't ask for a car wash. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a cheapo that way. It's like, yeah, and they're like, no, Mr. Enzo, that's just part of our, what we do here. And I, I was blown away. I don't even know if they fixed the car. Um, but I, I, all I know is they took the next step. Can you imagine, um, husband, if you took the next step? I mean, the next step. I know there's the things that you need to do, the, the rotating of the tires, the fixing of the car, what is expected of you. But what if all of a sudden you took the next step? Wife, can you imagine what that would be like? If like, yeah, I know you're doing a lot of things and you, you're responsible for this and this and this and this and this and, and, and we see the list. But what if you took the next step? What would that look like? At work, I know what you're getting paid for. You're getting paid to do your job. I'm doing what I do and that's all I do. I don't do any more than I do what I get paid to do. Because that's how we talk, right? And so, uh, um, but the, what if you did the next step? What would the next step look like? This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He says, I pray that you may abound more and more. And the word abound means to excel, to make more, to, to be better, to have enough to spare, to exceed, to increase, to have left over, to be superfluous. You know, just that it's just like superfluous. It's like, man, you're way over the top. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what Paul is saying. I want you to be over the top. I want you to take the next step with somebody. So let's continue in Philippians and let's see how they abounded. Paul says in chapter, in chapter one, verse three, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. I mean, the apostle Paul is swooning over these people. He's like, I gotta tell you, I, I thank God for you. I mean, can you imagine he's writing this down and he's writing to a church, he's writing to a group of people, he's like, I gotta just tell you, I thank God every day in my prayers and my prayers are full of joy. And I'm just, it's like, what are they doing? I mean, if he's kind of reflecting, he's kind of speaking for God in this situation. I mean, can you just, God's just up there. I just thank me for what's happening, what you're doing in life. And it's like, this is so awesome. What are they doing that's producing this? They're abounding by taking the next step and participating is the next step. It's the next step in anything that you want to improve in. I mean, it is, and we'll talk about that later, but if you want, it doesn't have to be Christianity, it could be anything, but participation is something that is involved with the next step and, and if you want to improve in something. But first of all, I want to stop and say, what are they participating in? 
And for me, I had to unpack this because it said the word, the gospel, okay? And that's the right phrase, that's what's in the Bible. Um, but I was raised Catholic, and we don't talk like this. We don't talk about the gospel. Um, because our, our translation of the Bible, it's, it's accurate, um, but it's just these sometimes words are switched around accurately in the Greek, but the word could have been translated this way or this way. Um, and so in this particular case, I like the way that it's said. It's like, it's called the good news. It said, because you participated in the good news. And the reason why that's important to me, particularly having lived now for, in the South for almost 40 years, is that I did discover initially that the gospel was a lot of things in the Bible Belt. It's a way people talk to each other. Um, it's a way, uh, it's a style of music. Um, it's uh, not buying liquor on Sunday. I think that's still a rule, I don't know. But I mean, so the gospel was a lot of things. And so when I look at this, it's like, well, it's not, a, it's not just a collection of ethics. It's so much more than that. And so I'm like, they were participating in something and that was called the gospel. And so like the word love, I had to break it out. The good news is the greatest message, act, and ideal of God towards humanity. That's what they were participating in. God's biggest, greatest idea. I mean, I, you, you know, we're fascinated with AI, quantum processing. We're, we're thinking about going to Mars. You know, I don't know why we're not going to be any better in Mars than we are here, but we're going to go to Mars and, you know, grow potatoes with Matt Damon and, and all that stuff. It sounds exciting. But the really great idea, the best idea that God has ever had in his head, you know, I mean, like if you were to right now, I want you to imagine your best vacation, okay? Just, just try to get there, right? Like, I'm gonna ask you to come back in a second, but just try to get there. Where, you got a place in your mind where, oh, let's see, I'm going right now. You know where I am? I'm, I'm flying in a single prop airplane with, with water um, pontoons on the bottom of it, and I'm about to land on a, uh, a lake in Alaska, and I'm about to do some fly fishing. Yeah, okay, that, that's just about right. So I don't know where you went with your thought, but that's where I was. And um, when God thinks about humanity, when he thinks about his best idea, his best thought, his best action, his best will, his best desire for us, it is the gospel. That is God's greatest idea. You know, and, it, and they were like jumping in on this because it was so magnificent. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 1. He, he says this, and it sounds so technical, but, but it's because he's trying to explain the greatest idea. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. See, this is God's best. This is like, mwah. This is absolutely the best act of God. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in Christ with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of time. That is summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on the earth. 
Meaning that this is what it all adds up to. This thing that the, the Philippians were participating in, this good news, this gospel, this highest intention of God and action uh, towards humanity. Um, a lot of times when I hear the word participate, that's a, that's a different thing uh, because um, a lot of times when we hear this invitation in a church to participate in the gospel, we tend to, at least what I have heard, is that immediately insert serving, sacrifice, giving, and suffering. Okay? That's what we tend to put in there. When you're participating, that's what you're doing. And I remember years ago when I came to Christ and I was here in Charleston, I remember there was this uh, probably wonderful Christian person that had a license plate. And the license plate was an amalgamation of letters to fit within the, I don't know what, six or eight letters you can only have. But the letters spelt out, die to self. And I'm like, that's it? That's, that's the big plan of God towards mankind. That is the daydream of God towards humanity and that it's all summed up in die to self. There isn't any more to that. And for a lot of us, that's what we hear. It's all about dying to self. But it's not all about that. It's about us joining the best message that God has sent from heaven. And at times, there will be serving, sacrificing, giving, and suffering, and dying to self. But that's not, that's just part of it. This is the gospel. The thing that they were participating was the flourishing of the human soul of life. And they were participating with this. It was like, this is the best plan. And like I was talking to Cooper, you know, every one of us are, pretended, we're, are presented with chairs that we get to choose which one we're going to recline our souls in. And, and so what they have decided, the Philippians decided was, I'm gonna go with God on this. Yeah, I heard there's about pick up your cross and follow me. That's part of it. I heard there's about dying to self. Yeah, I heard that too. But I also heard about love, compassion, um, all things working together for good, the abundant life. I've heard about eternity. I heard about living forever. I heard about reigning with Christ being, you know, it's like there's so much that they were invited to and they were participating in. So let's take a look at the idea of participating. Because in America, I don't think there's a word that has been dummied down more than the word participating. This is what it looks like. I Googled it uh, because I wanted to find out what was the official definition of a participation trophy. Um, not, not, a, not a thing that I was used to growing up. Um, I used to, you get the butt whipping trophy, but uh, uh, participation trophy. So here's the actual definition. A participation trophy is a, it's given to a child, mostly, who participates in a recreational sport without requiring their success or involvement in the competition. I'm like, so basically, they're not participating. Oh, no, 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 it's a participation trophy. Um, it, but they were near it. We didn't do competition. We didn't keep score. We didn't want anything to trouble them. We didn't want them to, you know, get challenged about 
anything. We didn't even require them to do anything. At the end of it all, they all lined up and everybody got a trophy. Everybody got a ribbon. I can tell you this, America is already loaded with enough churches that are handing out wards for just showing up. America is loaded with the show up church. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to participate. You just being here is participating. And I'm gonna challenge that a little bit or I'm gonna look at the word of God and, and about that. There are too many marriages where someone just shows up, right? It's like, well, honey, I told you when I married you that I loved you. Yeah, but I need you to kind of like participate. Well, I'll tell you what. When I don't come home from work, you'll know I'm not participating anymore. It's like, dude, Neanderthal, the caveman died, okay? It's like, no, that's not how you make a marriage work. That's not how it goes. It, it's, it's more than just showing up. There's something about it. So I broke out the word participating and what it really means and what it's implied by participating. And I, I came up with these four words and I think, they're, I think it's accurate. Whether it's the gospel or anything. When you participate in something, you are benefiting from, you are involved in the communication of, the communing, communing with, and the responsibility to. That's what participation looks like. I know it's like four different things, but it's kind of like you're benefiting from it, you're, you're, you're in communication with it or communicating it. You know, you're into it. And so you're communicating it to other people. You're, you're in communion with that. It's, you're part of it. You're part, it's what you do. It's your group. It's your, it's your people. It's your peeps. It's, you're with it. You're in it, you know, uh, and you're responsible to it. I mean, that if it tells you to do something, you do that. You, you are responsible to it. And where? Where do you participate? Well, I find when it comes to the gospel in two places, personally and in your spheres of influence. That's participating that you are personally participating with this great idea, this amazing action of God in your personal life, and then you're also participating in it in the circles of influence around you. And that's abounding through participation. So the greatest news and events of God towards mankind, God's inviting you to participate in. For instance, I wrote, what are some of the things he wants me to participate in? Forgiveness, belonging, hope, truth. And I know that you may subscribe to those words and it's like, yeah, okay, those are four easy words. But when you run the idea of participating with them, meaning benefiting from communication of, communion with, and responsibility to, each one of those, then you find out if you're really in this or not. Okay, if you're really participating with what's going on, and you say, well, is this what I have to do to be saved? Absolutely not. But this is where abounding happens. This is where a marriage abounds. This is where families abound. This is where cultures abound, is when there's honest inventory about, am I really participating in this? It's really sobering to think about it because it is important for everyone here to realize and to understand that listening is not participating. And that's what most church Sundays are, aren't they? Just kind of like, yep, I was good. Yeah, you were very good. You went a little long. 
church uh, heating system wasn't very good, and I think the music was a little loud. And it was like, yeah, that no, was a good Sunday. You know, and then off we go. And um, that's not what it is at all. Matter of fact, James chapter one, verse 22, he says this, prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So that's what I'm asking you and challenging you today is prove it. You say, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, okay. Well, the gospel says, okay, prove it. I, you know, I'm not saying earn it. I'm saying just prove it. You, you're really in? And it's like, yeah, I'm really in. So, okay, so you're not getting a participation trophy. You're really in because participation means this idea of uh, benefiting, communicating, communion, and responsibility to this thing. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise you're deluding yourself. I love that he says that. He's like, you're just, you're freaking yourself out, man. It's like, if you're not participating, you're deluding yourself. If you think just going to church and hearing me speak or a pastor speak is anything, it's like, wow, that's good. That was really good church. I like that church. And, and it's very clear that we do this all the time, that if I just hang around it, that's equal to getting it. Me and Susan have got a trip planned this year. We're gonna trip, we've never been to Europe before, so we're gonna try the whole French thing. I'm not crazy about the French, but I'm gonna go there anyway. Um, I just, sorry, just, you know, but we're gonna go over there. And so in order to not look like a stupid American, um, and, uh, because I'm not a stupid American and I don't like them thinking we're stupid. And so I wanna be prepared to go over there and show those French, you know, boy, it sounds like a great trip. I'm gonna have a good time, right? <laughs> so World War III breaks out, local pastor starts war with French people. Um, so what I did was I want to learn a little bit of travel language. So I downloaded the, the uh, program Babbel. Yeah, yeah, I did that. And so I downloaded Babbel, and uh, it's a monthly subscription of about $17 a month, and it leads you through f learning some words. And I have the app on my phone. Um, I have seen pictures of France. I, uh, I know people who speak French. I even know people who are French, and I have probably offended them today. I love French toast, and I eat French fries. And I even enjoy French cut string beans. So it's interesting. I got all that French around me and I don't speak one bit of French. A lot of us think that if I'm just around it, you know, and that all that adds up to participation. I've got this device in my house that somebody has loaned me. It's called the Peloton. I mean, oh, oh. That's a beautiful bike. Anybody here got a Peloton? Raise your hand, you got a Peloton? Anybody, okay. Uh, most people don't raise their hands because they don't use them. Uh, but it's like they don't wanna admit they have one. But it's about a $1,500 to $2,100 bike. Well, this one is beautiful. It's, the machine itself is sexy. When I grow up, I wanna look like the bike. It is just a beautiful bike. It's got the big screen, the one that turns so that you can do yoga in front of your bike and jumping jacks, and do people do jumping jacks anymore? But you got all those things and, and have that. And the thing is, is I have a $44 a month subscription to it. And you know what that gets me? Is I walk down there and all I gotta do is touch the screen. 
and all of a sudden it comes up and it says, hi, Paul. And then some, some beautiful woman from London speaking Londonish, and it's, it just begins, she's there and she's in this beautiful little wardrobe and she's like, morning, matey, you know? And I don't know how they talk over there. <laughs> like I said, I'm gonna start a war with Europe by the time I get back. So we're going over there. And so I'm looking at it and it's like, she's like, okay, here we go. We're gonna do the climbs. And I just kind of like stand next to the bike. I'm just like, glory, glory. Just let the glory just transform my body into something amazing, just glory. Now I know you folks think that's absolutely ridiculous. But if you think God is going to transform your life and your marriage and your relationships without you engaging, loving engagement, seeking the highest level for other human beings, and you think your life is going to change, I just want to tell you, you're deluded. I mean, hearing it, it's great stuff. I love hearing that. But there is something about participation that made the heart of Paul just melt. Expressing the heart of God is like, I thank God for you always because of your participation in this. You got in it, man. You, you benefited from it. You communicated it. You, you shared it. You communed with it. You are responsible to it. See, participating is taking every advantage from the gospel and giving every advantage from the gospel. That's full participation. Taking every advantage from the God. Have you taken every advantage from God? I mean, when God says that I will cast your sins as far as the east from the west, have you taken advantage of that? I mean, like, let that drop. And Have you reclined in that kind of forgiveness? Have you sat down in the forgiveness of God where you just like, you know, old things have passed away, all things are becoming new? that my sins are forgiven, no shame in my life. See, for some of us, we're not taking every advantage of the gospel of God. We're not taking every advantage of it. But likewise, it's giving every advantage from the gospel. Are you giving forgiveness to people around you the same way? Are you taking advantage of the word of God? Are you, are you giving the advantage you've, you've gotten from God to other people? Because that is abounding. That is taking the next step. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who has comforted us in all our affliction. They have taken the advantage of heaven. They're like, give me a God, give me a God. I want that comfort. I want that forgiveness. I want that love. I want that truth. I'm like, man, num, num. they're just like, he's like, he said, blessed be God who has given us all comfort so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any comfort with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by. See, in the Bible Belt, we talk about, well, what's Christianity? You're not going to hell. Do you see how stupid that is? Sorry, didn't mean you stupid. I know there's kids here. It's a bad word. It's the S word. Um, and so, but do you see how reductionism that the gospel's all about going to heaven? It's like, it's part of it. But let me just tell you, taking every comfort that offers, that heaven's often here on earth, that's a big part of it. But not only that, full participation in the gospel is now giving that comfort 
to other people. The same comfort that you and I have been comforted in. I know God is kind of smoking you out today. It's like he wants you to know whether or not you're deluding yourself. Are you really participating in this? Not whether or not you're saved or not. We're saved by the grace of God when we give our lives to Jesus. The question is, are we abounding? Are we flourishing? And if we want to do that, which we are called to do, we don't need to delude ourselves on how it's going to happen. Owning a Peloton will not fix your cardiovascular system. Participating with the Peloton will lower your blood pressure and it will change your life. Same with the gospel. Are you really participating in it? As we're preparing for communion, because that's what communion is. It is a declaration of participation. And that's why if you're here today and you wonder, I mean, because everybody's going to get up and receive the bread and the cup. And, and I know it's easy to feel the pressure. Well, that's what everybody's doing. I'm just going to go up. It's, you know, it's kind of like I don't want to look like an idiot sitting there. Can I invite you? You just sitting there would not be an idiot. Being honest about whether or not you're participating in this is what you need to do. And so if you're not participating in it, if this is, then let me encourage you. Um, God loves you even if you don't come up for communion. But if you do come up for communion, we're not, this is not just an expression of participating in some bread and a cup of juice. This is a declaration that I want to take the next step. I want to take the next step, whatever that may be for my life. Philippians 1 chapter 6 is a really fun verse that a lot of people have in their house. It makes for a great wall art over the fireplace. And it's because it's packed with a promise. Let me read it to you. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Man, don't we love that one? It's awesome. But here's the problem with that verse is that we tend to take that out and we apply it to everything, right? Okay, this is not a verse about God being committed to your pickleball game. This is not a verse about God being committed to your financial portfolio or your you know, next house purchase. This verse comes immediately after the verse where Paul says, I thank God always for your participation in the gospel. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began that good work in you will perfect it to the day of Christ Jesus. The only work that God is committed to complete in your life is your participation in the gospel. He doesn't give a rip about your racquetball game. <laughs> I mean, it's okay for you to care about it. I care about it. I care about, you know, my 5K. Well, it's not a 5K anymore. It's more like a 1K time. I mean, I, I care about that. But let's be honest. God has committed every resource and every promise to the greatest story, endeavor, and action on the earth. And that is called the gospel. That is the good news. And God will perfect your participation in it. 
That means today, you don't gotta get it all right. You just gotta ask yourself, what is the next step? For that car repair guy, the next step was to wash my car when he gave it back, not to just fix it. Fixing it would have been good enough. But he's like, I'm gonna wash it. I'm gonna take it the next step. Husband, what is your next step with your wife? Oh, I know you mow the lawn. You know, that's cool. That's awesome, I do that. That's my, I'm that kind of dude, division of labor. That's how we roll at the Rianzo house. You roll whatever way you want. And it's like, yeah, no, I don't do dishes. If it was left for me to do dishes, I'd have a burn barrel on the back deck and we'd do paper plates every single day. We just keep that thing. I'd, my carbon footprint would be huge. But let me ask you, husband, what is your next step? Because in the gospel, there always is a next step about pursuing the highest good for those you love. Wife, what is your next step? And let me just say, husband and wife, ask. Guys, I can tell you, if you ask your wife what your next step is, oh, she's got a spreadsheet. She knows, she knows what your next step is. Ladies, one step at a time. But also dads, what's your next step with your daughter? What's your next step with her? What's, uh, moms, what's your next step with your, with your son or with your children? Employer, what's your next step with your employees? Uh, white man, what's your next step when encountering a black man? Men, what is your next step when encountering a woman? See, America is not taking steps forward anymore. It's taking steps back where the gospel calls us to abound in the next step of bringing dignity and love to other people, God's highest in their life. Father, we thank you so much that you didn't call us to church. Lord God, you didn't call us to one hour of listening. God, this is so much better. You didn't call us to decide just about heaven or hell. But God, today you have invited all of us to participate in the greatest thing that is happening on this planet from God. The very thing that God, you are targeting all your resources and all your promises. So Father God, today, I'm putting my marriage in the middle of that circle. I'm putting my parenting, I'm putting my work, I'm putting everything in the middle of the participation of the gospel because that's where you're promising to finish a good work. So as we come and receive communion, let me encourage you to just ask God, not everybody's next step will be the same. But ask the Holy Spirit today just to enlighten your heart. God, what's my next step? If you don't want to take a next step with God, that's cool. And with no judgment, we invite you just to remain right where you are in your decision. But we also want you to consider that God loves you so much. And if you'll trust him to make a next step, He'll make it work out. You'll experience flourishing.
So Father God, we surrender to you now, not because you like to see us suffer or sacrifice, but you like to see us flourish. And in the midst of that flourishing, there are times when we have to lay things down and pick things up. We have to participate. And today we make the choice to do that.